for me, that was super, super rough just because, like I said, I had a three-year plan, right? <laughs> <laughs> and that was not on the list, I'm taking it? That was not on the list. Everything played out the way it should have. Like, who knows what team I would have went to and yeah. how that would have went. I'm excited to introduce our guest who needs no introduction on the Jason Walton Live It podcast this week. We have with us Zach Moss, uh, NFL running back for the Indianapolis Colts, all-time leading rusher for the University of Utah. Thanks for joining us, Zach. Absolutely, man. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, absolutely. That's been fun getting to know you. Also, you are the host of the podcast, The uh, Moss Mode Show. Yes, sir. Is that right? Where you're mainly talking to athletes? Yeah, yeah. Um, podcast I started a few years ago where... Um, you know, I just bring on some of the guys I play with uh, at the U or in the league now, um, and we just kind of chop it up, talk about sports, current events, and just have a uh, you know a good little time. So it's pro- it sounds like it's the conversations you normally have. Mm-hmm. You yeah. just figure maybe people want to listen in on this a little bit. <laughs> yeah, you put I it mean, out there for the world to share. Yeah, some interesting guys. I mean, just kind of you know in your locker room, um, and you're just talking about different stuff and different events. And you know, I mean, the biggest one is that is never going to ever stop. I think it's just Jordan versus LeBron. <laughs> right? Oh, really? Yeah. So I'm checking that out for sure. You've been, you been hitting that on your podcast? Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm big into basketball. So, you know, for one, I mean, I got my degree uh, from the U in communications. So TV, sports broadcasting, TV broadcasting, something I've always wanted to do. I kind of grew up just watching ESPN, Stephen A., you know, all yeah. those different guys. And, you know, I'm like, man, I always – talk sports and talk trash with my <laughs> friends every single day about you know either basketball stuff or football stuff you know and you know so that was kind of like the biggest thing behind starting it and you know obviously once I transition out of football um, that's kind of the route I want to go into and that's my passion is to you know be uh, into sports broadcasting you will be good at it let's hit that a little bit then LeBron and uh, Michael Jordan like what's the how's that conversation going from from your side uh for me I'm a Jordan guy okay um I think just from the standpoint and there's no knock at LeBron I think he's you know I kind of separated and I don't know if it always makes sense but it makes sense to me um for me LeBron is the greatest overall okay basketball player I mean the guy I can play and has played positions one through five on the court um he has timeless game where in 03 when he came in where he barely had a jumper to where now he can shoot the ball at a higher clip over 45 percent so it's like he's the greatest overall when you think about assists and you know uh rebounds and steals all that type of stuff the, the whole package of a player that's probably the greatest we've ever seen, probably ever will see with the speed and athleticism. But you Jordan, give her a lot of love, so I want to hear the flip side of this. <laughs> I'm a Jordan guy. Okay. Um, but Jordan, I think, is just the ultimate player. Like, when you want a guy, right, to just go out there and dominate and, you, you know, I think Jordan's just the guy. Like, when you look at a basketball player, you want a Michael Jordan. Like, you love a LeBron, like, if you can get that. But I'm talking about six and six and finals. Never went to a game seven, like just a killer mentality. Um, and obviously, Kobe's the next best thing we've seen in that, but I can't put Kobe over LeBron just because Mike kind of did it first. Um, so it was a blueprint there. Plus, no one's has done it like Michael did. And when you factor in, you know, the biggest thing for me is LeBron's played 20 years. 
but that's also because of technology. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Versus Michael didn't have that much technology, right? We're talking about probably just ice baths and ice packs. LeBron yeah. has all these different things in the world where, I mean, the dude literally just came back and played on a broken foot and got to the Western Conference Finals where if that happened to you in the 90s, that was it, right? Or if yeah. you had an ACL injury in the 90s, that was it. Yeah. Um, so what Michael was able to do in the time that he played and, you know, without all the load managing and all that type of different things, and the game was a little bit more physical, right? People love to kind of make that the biggest thing of it, but I'm like, LeBron's 6'8", 250, he could have played. <laughs> Charles Barkley played at about 6'4", 6'5", in that era, he could have played. Yeah, I you know I agree with about everything you said, except mm. I still barely, <laughs> and you're about to convince me otherwise. I still think LeBron's my guy, but all the words you said I agree yeah. with. I just come out at the end of it just saying I still think maybe LeBron's the greatest all time ever. But and when you say that that Jordan was six for six in finals and he never went to a game seven, that's pretty compelling, right? Yeah, it's hard to to compare those two guys, I think just because of the longevity part. Yeah. I mean, LeBron's played 21 years. Yeah. About to go into his 21th year. I think Jordan played legitimately probably like a real good 13 years. Yeah. Right? And take a break in between. Um, and I don't count the Wizards years at all. But I think it's, it's hard to, I think you get into a conversation of longevity versus yep. Michael's shortened career and still being in the top five and scoring without shooting threes. Um, it, it's hard to just compare them, but I think, you know, I'm more in a space where I just try to appreciate both and appreciate yeah. greatness. And, um, you know, I don't have a favorite player. Like people always ask me, do you have a favorite player or a favorite team? Just like, no, I kind of just try to appreciate the guys that we're getting, being able to witness yeah. um, and That's their well talents said. and, yeah. you know, the way they transcend the game. That's well put. Yeah, I try to just appreciate what's there. Yeah. And I've also, I'm finishing off on the MJ LeBron thing for a, change subjects on that but um i really appreciated lebron in his early years like remember the first time he went to the finals and he didn't mm. seem very much like he was comfortable in the fourth quarter yeah do you remember you know what i'm yeah, talking yeah, about yeah. he had a hard time he didn't quite have that killer mentality yeah and c contrast that with with mj where your point is is like i don't know anybody who at least i would have been more intimidated to play against than michael jordan i mean yeah. and <laughs> sorry if I was good at basketball, <laughs> but, but, um, but I love the fact that LeBron changed that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he changed that to where like he became like one of the, the all time leading closers and clutch. Look at the clutch things he's yeah. done in the finals since then. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I just think the the whole basket of stuff that he brings, if I was going to build a team around someone, he's timeless it, in the prime, I think it'd yeah. be, I think it'd be LeBron. Although somehow I feel like that that's sacrilegious to say <laughs> when Michael Jordan's out there. <laughs> But, you know, here, here's an interesting thing. When you talk about the technologies available, we had um, Alan Iverson on this podcast, you know, recently. And the question I asked him, because he, he was playing 40 minutes a night for yeah. like 10 years. Mm -hmm. And so when you talk about the things that LeBron does differently, one of the things I notice, you, tell me if you agree, is it seems like they are wise in conserving their energy for the playoffs. Mm -hmm. I mean, they don't, they, yeah. they take away maybe some of the minutes. I don't want to say the effort. But I think that they're taking care of their body so they can get the maximum result when they need the maximum result. That's all I was trying to say. Yeah. And I asked AI, like, if he did it differently, would you play less minutes, you know, or try to play for the finals? And he, like, unapologetically is like, nope, wouldn't, I wouldn't change a thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. And it's clear as day for, like, the guys who actually kind of understand the sport and watch it religiously, right? I think uh, the Spurs, you know, Greg Popovich kind of really started that 
to where it wasn't a popular thing. Like AI would I mean play all day, and that's what people loved him for, right? Was being available, playing through injuries, similar to what Russell Westbrook kind of does now, just mm-hmm. being available. Um, but Greg Popovich kind of started that, where it was like, all right, we know we're really good in the regular season, and we can just win enough games to get in, right, and still be at a top seed to where we're putting yeah. ourselves in the best position, right? Sometimes he would send his guys home. Like, if it was they were on a road trip for three nights straight or whatever it would be, he would send his top guys home, let them get rest, right, versus killing themselves and just going all out in the regular season, right, which the league doesn't like because it's right. ticket sales yep. and all these different things. You come to see these guys play. Um, but – Overall, the team understands what they need to get out of it, and if the goal is to win a championship, the goal is to maybe you make different. And you decisions. see it, and you can see it way more now, and it's <laughs> super, super clear. Like guys don't go as hard uh, as they once used to do, right? Because science has changed, things have changed. And, you know, you learn more and get more knowledgeable, um, and you know, you listen to your body. And coaches are now more with that, right? it's not as much pushback on that and it's kind of, you know, looked upon as, okay, this is something that we kind of need to do mm-hmm. versus something that we kind of want to stay away from. So let's talk about the NFL a little bit in in this general subject. And that is, how do players feel when they're in garbage time? Mm. You know, once getting close to, <laughs> to, to the playoffs, yeah. you as a running back, I mean, do you think like maybe I don't want to be on the field or does it kind of depend because you need the touches depending on what's happened before What's going through your mind? I mean, it's kind of different for us because we don't have 82 chances, right? Like, we have an 18-week season where every game counts, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, literally every game counts, and it affects your season versus you, in the NBA, you can lose 10 games early on, and it may or may not have any impact on your season, right? Um, but for us, if we lose 10 games... <laughs> that does not work in your league. Yeah, like, if you lose your first four or five games early in the season, like, bro, usually... That season's kind of done, right? And it's super, super hard to win games. I mean, it doesn't matter, you know, the talent level. Like, in the NBA, it's a little different because sometimes when you have an inferior team, right, if you look at their roster and you look at that guy and that guy that guy versus a younger team with younger players, you usually would say, okay, they're probably going to win. Versus in our league, it doesn't matter who's on the field. Um, the talent level is so similar, right? Like, you can play – guys could have played the Browns when they used to be 0-15 all the time, right? And they could have went up against a really good team that was 11-4 and or something. They're going to get a good game, right? It's going to be decided by less than a touchdown. And that's kind of where the league is right now, where a lot of the games that we come we play, they're usually decided by less than a touchdown. Mm-hmm. And I learned that um, that was one of the biggest things our coach, when I got in, uh, my Bills? coach. Yeah, the Bills, yeah. Um, told us over and over and over because it wasn't like in college where you know we would play this school and we go beat them by 30 or 40 points like you weren't going to have that game week where it was like you kind of just lottie gag through it and you know you don't really have to go <laughs> super hard and you just know you're going to kind of handle business in our league it's like every single week right it doesn't matter where you're at on the totem pole you're going to get that team's best shot and that's more so because you have guys trying to prove themselves yeah guys trying to provide for their families like it's so much more than just a game right it's all these other things that's impacted into that as well which then gives you that uh that recipe for what we see each and every sunday yeah it does seem that there's because there's fewer games and because there's maybe more injuries in the nfl Mm -hmm. i've wondered that because it seems that 
if someone else gets playing time because you're resting <laughs> or you're hurt, that maybe you don't make it back on the field. And if yeah. they look back, oh, well, we're looking at the old film of this game, you're like, well, hold on. In yeah. that game, that was a garbage game. I was yeah. protecting myself because it was a week from the playoffs, and that's probably just not going to go. If we get a blowout game, I mean, we had a few in Buffalo, in my time in Buffalo. We had a few games where we were just up pretty well, and we started cruising. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and kind of, the game kind of gets – kind of boring but you kind of let your guard down to where you're not you know that you know up about it and you kind of get down a little bit and you just kind of go through the motions and you kind of get through the game and I mean it was times where I'm like all right bro let's stop throwing the ball here (laughs) like let's just get out of here like the game's over let's go home let's not make it longer um but it's so many different things like you said like some guys um and some teams you know in some garbage games when you have that opportunity Sometimes you get some stat padding going on, and sometimes you don't. And guys just take a knee as many times as they can, just kind of get out of there. And you know, it's all about also protecting the players, right? So yeah, if we're on offense and we're in a four-minute offense, um, you know, usually we don't want to give the ball back. That way, you know, our defense can get as much rest as they can, right? Like those four minutes usually is about twenty minutes in real lifetime. Um, goes a long way for. Uh, for defense and for offense if, if we're on the other side of that, like just resting and not having to take that hitting going into the game. You know, in those blowout games, this is what I'm always thinking, mm-hmm. is that it seems like that there's some professional courtesies, right? You, I, I remember when I was in high school my sophomore year, we got an all-out team fight because someone that was beating <laughs> us by 30-something points threw two bombs. And on the second one, <laughs> some of us didn't like that. And yeah. we, ended, we ended up we, that ended up ending the game with a, with a little bit of a rumble. But now I'm thinking about that now, and I'm thinking – I wonder if coaches sometimes give the other coach a professional courtesy ring ring and just say, hey, look, I know we're up by something. I know it's rude. I'm not trying to rub it in, but I need a quarterback that, that mm-hmm. like almost like I've practiced, just got to get some reps in. Yeah. And so we're, we're wanting to throw some some balls. Are we good with that? You know, you know what I mean? And just yeah. talking about it a little bit, saying that like as we're preparing for the playoffs, maybe you have some people that need some real experience. And um, and you kind of you kind of do that in those in those games do you think that happens at all i mean do you think the coaches ever communicate in those situations so as not to have bad feelings or is there just a rule that just says no you can't do that it's disrespectful no it's it's we've done something and that kind of goes back to my point where like all right we need to stop throwing the ball so let's get out of here we've done that (laughs) before Mm -hmm. where it kind of is like all right well you know needs 50 more yards 100 more yards to get you know, closer to this number or whatever it may be. So, and we've done that where we're up in the game, right? Where we got like 40 points. We don't really need to do anything else here, right? Or, you know, you can kind of pull this guy out now. Like he doesn't really need to be in the game, but it happens um, quite a bit. And a lot of coaches, they all know each other. Yeah. Right. Somehow, you know, they, you know, off season. Yeah. Being in that coaching tree and, you know, you come across each other yeah. at some time point. But so I'm sure they talk about it. <laughs> well, I know not. sometimes you have players that have numbers to hit that hit contract bonuses. Yeah, and, but but I'm, and, and and that's a good reason to have a phone call too, or mm-hmm. just to do stuff. But I'm also just talking about a, a, having players at any position that just need some time, some game time as you're starting to prepare for the playoffs. Like that, that's a good reason. Despite statistics, yeah, if you're, that seems if like you're, it's a good reason to be on the field to run real plays. Yeah, if you're up a decent amount, right, which is kind of rare, like. It's rare yeah, it's, that you're going to ever turn on an NFL game and be like, oh, man, these teams are down 40 to zip. Like, that's never really going to happen, right? But it's times where the coaches will get young guys in, right, to go look, let them get some experience yeah. um, and things of that nature. 
and that usually takes place more in the preseason, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and if it does happen in season, usually the coach will, you know, keep the playbook open, but will take out certain things, yeah. right? Now they'll, you know, take some shots if, if it's is warranted. Like you know, they want to actually work on something at that yeah. time or whatever. Um, it may be a play that we haven't ran in practice. And that happens a lot where we just go run a play where we haven't ran in practice, but we talked about it <laughs> and kind of just see what it looks like so you can get it on film. Yeah. Right. Um, and that happens a lot. But, you know, usually in the back end of the year, all the starters are usually out there for the whole entire game just because, like I said, like our season is so short. Yeah. Every game matters. So usually about week 10, you're now you're really fighting for playoff positioning. Um, and, you know, kind of locking up some seeds and things like that where you kind of figure out where you're going to be in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the most important time of the year. It's like the first half of the year. It's kind of like you're filling everything out still. You know, you're kind of just getting still used to a lot of stuff. And then by week 10, all right, it's like it's two different seasons in one. Yeah, changing speed a little bit. We all know who the most underrated player in the NFL is. It's Zach Moss. I mean, there's no <laughs> doubt. No, no matter no matter what people think of you, it's still you're still the most underrated player. Other than yourself, mm. who are the one or two most underrated players in the NFL? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, that's a lot of really good guys in the league, um, and I'm trying to think about it because it's hard to say any and if like in a real starter is underrated, um, but. You know, that's a good point, right? You, so if, if it's a starter, you're starting. If it's, it's a starter, it's like, so you're thinking of people who aren't starting. Yeah, I, like I mean, that. honestly, I think you know, without, I can't pinpoint a name, but I can go by position. Um, I think a lot of like defensive linemen in, the, in our league are kind of can be underrated. Like mm-hmm. you don't know a lot of their names, but a lot of the reason sometimes that you know you hear these big name guys kind of doing what they're doing is because a lot of these other guys are doing their job at a high level as well. Yeah. Right. And it's usually the interior guys, right? Not the DNs and the edge rushers where, you know, they get all the praise and the fun and stuff like that because they get to the quarterback the most. It's usually those interior guys where those guys do all the dirty work, um, each and every play in the trenches, getting after it. Um, so I would say like D lineman interior guys are the most underrated guys in the league. Um, from a standpoint of the impact they have on a game, because I know for me going against a really good interior D line is the worst thing we can possibly have just because you know, one, those guys are heavy. So they fall on you is going to hurt. Um, and two, those are the guys I'm going up against the most when it comes to the run game, because they kind of tell me everything I need to know about where I can run this ball, where I can't run this ball. And they outweigh um, you by over hundred pounds. Yeah. And they usually about, you know, 290 yeah three 330 range six four six five um and then the ones that are shorter than that <laughs> those are ones that really get you <laughs> yeah i'll bet and probably maybe the people they're going up against on the o-line maybe they're the most the next most underrated those are the two most uh underrated positions by far like they don't get praised the things that they do doesn't go on the newspaper doesn't go on the stat sheet right like the strain and the knickknacks you know, that those guys have to go through each and every week. You're, you know, we only go as the offensive line and D-line go, right? If there's no D-line, the linebackers and corners are going to get killed. <laughs> if there's no O-line, the quarterback, running back receivers have no opportunity to do what we do. Yeah. So it's like those two positions, right? And that's the biggest thing that our coaches that I've always played for in college, high school, whatever, has preached is 
we go as those two position uh those two uh spots go on our field yeah it seems like if it, if those interior defensive linemen can shut down the running the inside running game hmm. that that makes it very limiting on what the play calling has to be and like you said it lets the other defensive players not cheat up the middle yeah, yeah. and like you know like it just makes it harder to pass and yeah anyway yeah those are the two most underrated positions by far how about from your days at the University of Utah? Who do you think was the most underrated player that you played with at the U of U? And it's okay if you name a couple. Mm, I think uh, Corian Ballard was pretty good for us. I want to say that was my junior year for sure. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm not going to say sophomore. Cause I think that was Marquise Blair. Mm. Um, but, you know, those two dudes were really good. I don't think Marquise was underrated. I think he got a fair share of love um, but Corian I think was underrated from coming from Chuko and then coming to play with us for a year or two or whatever it was um, and then doing his thing and, and kind of you know anchoring that back there uh, with Julian and Jalen and I mean the defense we had those but Corian was probably the one dude that sticks out to me that um, was underrated for what he did um, on a nightly basis so you're you're uh, Zach you're from Florida Mm-hmm. Were, you, were you born, raised kind of in Florida? Yeah, in Miami, yep. Okay. And you went, is it right, you went to school with Tyler Huntley? Yeah. NFL Tyler quarterback, Huntley. Tyler, U- University of Utah? Yeah, Tyler Huntley Tyler. and Damari Simkins, yeah. So I understand that you originally committed to the University of Miami, mm-hmm. and you have a couple of cousins that are household names, Mosses, especially Santana Moss, that mm-hmm. went to Miami. How did you end up going from Miami <laughs> to the University of Utah, and did your family give you grief? Uh, So, you know, I was I committed to Miami. I want to say my junior year in high school. Um, and at the time, it just felt right. Just like as you say, like so many different things combined into that. Obviously, family members playing there, then being from there, uh, it being only thirty minute ride. You know, all these different things and being close to family. You know, I'm a big family guy. So all of those things, I was just like at that time, being like sixteen, seventeen. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna go here. That's where I want to go. Um, and I loved it. You know, it was they weren't winning at the time. So, but at still past all that, it was just about, you know, just everything about it, just being home and you know, uh, you know, representing home. But you know, over time, going into my senior year, um, transferred high schools, which is when I started playing with Tyler and Damari. Um, you know, I kind of. St- started to get a little better, <laughs> right? And I started, you know, understanding that it's probably a little bit more there for me than just being at home, right? And that was the one thing that I started playing football was forced to, you know, expand, you know, what I can do and where I can go and things I could see. So, you know, I ended up getting, you know, more scholarships throughout my senior year and ended up decommitting from Miami. Plus they had a lot of different things going on with coaching, coach got fired and bringing new staff in and yada yeah. yada yada instability yeah so it was a lot of stuff there which i the, don't the think people you had commitments with weren't yeah yeah so it changes things yeah so it changes things um but you know i think at that age looking back at it now you know i kind of understood that for a college athlete you need stability right like you need the people there yeah, yeah, yeah. who recruited you to be there of course it changes the whole dynamic for you right like if, that's part of why you chose yeah, that like, place, right? Yeah. Plus, it's like the biggest thing is, and sometimes it doesn't matter, right? It'll work out that way. Like yeah. if the coaches who uh, brought you in they leave, and then a new guy comes in, but he still likes you, 
right? He thinks he can use your skill and you, you fit into the offense. It'll work for you. Yeah. But if it doesn't, then now you're talking about transferring. And at the time, you had to sell a whole year. And my whole plan was to play three years in college and go to the NFL. So I was like, it's not adding up if I sell a year, really, because I don't want to sell a year. And I had never, you know, been away from ball where I just couldn't do it, especially if I wasn't injured or something like that. So I just, you know, at that time, I was like, I don't know what they're going to do. And I don't really want to be in that situation. But so I ended up getting scholarship from uh, Utah. Um, and I remember it was either Utah or Tennessee mm. for me. Um, and I mean, two good choices, two good choices. And Utah wasn't where we're at now, whereas, you know, it's like been to four Pac-12 championship games. You've been to two Rose Bowl games, you know, all the different stuff going on. And we they weren't there yet. Right. We're talking 2015 coming off a of 2015 year. Um, and I think the biggest game at the time was probably the USC game. Uh, and I remember that game, but you know, Tennessee was doing some really good things. You know, they had Alva Kamara at the time and Jalen Hurd and yeah, Joshua Dobbs. Like it had some players, Cam Sutton, all these dudes who play in the leagues to this day. Um, and I remember in it's SEC, right? I mean, if you're a kid and you're growing up, you're like, I want to go SEC, right? Yeah. And I remember, and I, went, I remember took two visits um two official visits to figure out where I wanted to go hmm. and my mom and my high school coach went with me to Tennessee right it's closer to home my mom she didn't care why where I kind of went but she wanted me to be somewhat close in a sense of a driving distance um and so when I left my and I did from Miami she's your mother yeah and yeah. I was the first kid to ever leave for college yeah like out of state so you know, we went to Tennessee, had a great time. I mean, the stadium is mind blowing. It's a hundred thousand yeah. seats in there. Yeah. Right. Like then the games and the film and the jerseys. I'm just like, okay, this is SEC. And they had a great communications uh, program, you know, at, cause I was still into that. Obviously at that time, that was my, one of my passions. Um, and they were showing me all this stuff and, you know, different guys that played there, Arian Foster, one yep. of my favorite running backs of all time mm -hmm. played there. And I was just like, okay i can probably i like it here and my cousin was going there at the same time mm. so i was like i got some ties here and then on the flip side utah <laughs> was there and i remember i took the visit to utah first right and it was snowing to the first like, time i had gives tennessee an advantage I think, right so, like yeah. it was it was january so it's like peak cold here. You're, you're from miami <laughs> thinking i always wanted to be in the snow <laughs> exactly <laughs> yeah but like i got here and i'm like Oh, it's, it's cold. It's yeah. snowing. Um, like, mm -mm. I'm just like, at the time I wasn't like, mm -mm, right. It was just more like kind of taking it all in. Cause it's the first huh. time I ever seen snow. First time I ever seen mountains, all these different things. So it was more like mountains are beautiful out here too. Yeah. yeah, yeah they're, they're, they're beautiful. They're, they're like the one thing that no matter <laughs> how long I'm here, that's one thing mm -hmm. I'll always be enamored by is the mountains and definitely how close they are. Me too. But you know, all those different things. I was like, kind of like just like kind of in shock because I've seen all these different things I had never seen this from where I'm coming from right and then obviously Tyler and Damari had enrolled early so they're mm -hmm. showing me around campus and I'm just like oh this kind of feels kind of like high school you know familiar faces guys already know and things of that nature um and were, they're like were you ever thinking like 
was it kind of like you, you and Tyler ever have a conversation like, hey, let's go do what we did in high school. Let's just we, go, let's bring that here. We definitely did. Um, we used to call ourselves Biggie and Tupac right before Biggie and Tupac got into beef. <laughs> yep, yep, okay, yep. <laughs> but like they were really close friends. Who was who? Uh, I was Biggie, he was all Tupac, right, all right. I guess because I was a little bigger than him. Okay. He's a skinny dude. But, yep, yep. Um, you know, we kind of, you know, would always hint at it um, when I was decommitted at the time. Yeah. And, you know, so you're here, you're walking around campus, you're thinking it feels like high school, familiar faces, and then what? So the thing that got me was snowmobiling. Oh. Yeah, so they took us snowmobiling. It was me, Tyler, Damari, um, and a few other recruits. Um, and they took us snowmobiling up in Park City uh-huh. um, at the canyon. And I'm doing it, and I'm just like, oh, man, I can get used to this. Like, this is fun. And yeah. they're like, yeah, you can always come back here, like, because we knew the dude now, so it's like, we can just kind of come up yeah. and uh, go and stuff like that. And I was like, okay, with this being kind of on hand where I can like just get up there and just go and do something like that. And I'm, I'm, it's weird cause I'm from Miami, but I love the outdoors. Yeah. Right. It's not many outdoorsy things you do in Miami, but I love the outdoors. I love the quiet. I love just kind of being in nature. Right. And just kind of being in the ambience of that. Not a so, lot of snowmobile in there. Though. Yeah. Not a lot of snowmobiling, but that was like the one thing that just like stuck to me, right? And there's a whole entire different world and the people were super, super nice. Like it was just, a, felt like a totally different world. Um, and the biggest thing was, I think two big things were playing time. At Tennessee, I probably was gonna have to probably rest her the year because Alva Camaro was there. Uh, Jalen Hurd was there talking about two guys that sharing the backfield had a thousand yards each. Um, and then you had another dude right behind them. Um, uh, that went to the NFL as well. So I was like, okay, I'm probably going to have to wait a little bit because it's going to be really hard to beat those guys out. Um, but then Utah... If you have a three-year plan to get the NFL also, yeah, that, it's that's, not adding. Not, that's not helping. Yeah, so Utah gave me my best opportunity because only in front of me was uh, Joe Williams at the time. He was going into his senior year. Um, so I was like, okay, at best, I'll be the second guy. Right? Like At least I'll get some playing time and kind of learn and kind of go through all those different things because which you did right yeah like a lot of people didn't understand like I only had been playing running back full time going into college that was going to be my freshman year would have been my second year fully ever playing running back because I played linebacker at first really yeah so my senior year was my first full year playing running back my junior year in high school I kind of like teeter-totter between linebacker and running back but it was like a 70-30 split okay right and then I got my full chance once I transferred out at uh, Hollandale where I played with Tyler and Tamari. Did that, came to Utah, and it was like, okay, now this is a whole different world now I'm trying to learn this position because it's way more intense now. And the expectations are a little bit more different from what we want you to do and how you need to do these things and the uh, blitz pickups and the blocking and play actions, like all these different things that I didn't even really understand how important it was to do to offense as being a running back you know, I had I really had to go through growing pains as a freshman, but Utah was just it just stood out and it gave me an opportunity to grow by myself. Like I didn't have, you know, my mom couldn't just drive up if I was in need yeah. of something. Yeah. And, you know, family members couldn't do the same thing. Like my mom didn't come to a game right until um, my senior year. Yeah, that's that's not good. Right, just because of the financial part of things. Mm-hmm. But it, looking back at it, those things allowed me to grow so much more as a person to where I'm like, I can do a lot of things kind of like just on my own. I believe in myself that much where if I would have had my mom and my family to always kind of just fall back on, 
I feel like I wouldn't be the person I am uh, today. Yeah. So you get to, let me ask this. What, um, what was your opinion in the recruiting process of Coach Whittingham and the other Utah coaches? Uh, I loved all of the coaches. Like, you know, the biggest dude probably there that made it super easy, that made it just feel like home right away was um, Pablo Cano. So he's the, uh, the director of, like, recruiting and stuff like that and for the NFL and scouting and stuff like that. But, I mean, from day one, like, Pablo is, like, like family still to this day like you know he just came over to my house a couple of days ago but yeah. like without him I don't know how much I would have really enjoyed my time because he just made it so much better um, because with him it wasn't about you know football 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 it was just about enhancing your life like being a better person all these different things um, but all the coaches you know I loved every single one of them Coach Shaw Coach Harden, um, Coach Erickson, who was the one who mainly recruited me. And that's kind of how I got from Miami uh, to Utah. And that's kind of how he got a lot of the Florida players because he had obviously. So you recruiting Tyler and the others? Yeah. Well, Tyler and Damar recruited me, right, once they got there. And then, okay. you know, I got a scholarship. It was funny because I got a scholarship because they usually would play your highlights. So <laughs> when Tyler and Damari highlights were on the TV, um, obviously Tyler was throwing me the ball sometimes and then they'll see me on the clip and they'd be like, they ask, who's that person? And they'd be like, and Tyler be like, yeah, he's, he's, uh, he was committed to Miami and stuff like that. And at the time Utah didn't believe they could get guys who were committed to or looking at bigger schools, yeah, yeah. right? Like now we can get guys yeah. from anywhere over a lot of different schools. But at the time they were just like, eh, we don't know. And I remember coach Harrison contacted me and was like what are you thinking like if we offer you you know scholarships are delicate <laughs> they don't have that sure. many yeah, to yeah, keep yeah, passing yeah. out yeah so he was like are you if we give you a scholarship are you really going to consider coming here and I was like yeah I'll definitely consider coming here and you know things just worked out to where you know it was the best decision I could make and mm. you know that's like the one advice I always try to give guys during high school in high school um, you know, going to embark on that journey is doesn't matter about the school, doesn't matter about the jerseys, the swag, you know, all that different stuff. Like your family, but where they may want you to go, right? It matters about where can you be the best version of you, mm. right? Because it's great advice. for an 18 year old making this decision of that magnitude, right? Yes, you should have some of your family's impact, but the sole answer should come from you because you're the one that's going to be going through it every single day, right? Where can you see yourself enhancing your life and being the best version of you for the next three to four years of your life, right? And building the relationships and where to, like, for me, Utah was the place I could do that yeah. to where now, obviously, I live here now. I can come back here and I feel at home. Like, I don't feel any differently versus, I'm like, I don't know if I could have lived in Tennessee or I don't know if I could have lived still back in Miami, right? It's like different things like that. Like that's the biggest thing you have to ask yourself. It's not always about, you know, a lot of people don't make it to the NFL, right? Like very few, very few. And then when you get there, it's not a guarantee you're going to stay very long, right? So it's like, if you take off that lens of, oh, I got to go to Alabama because I can go to the NFL, right? Or I got to go to this school because I can go to the NFL. When you take off that lens and you kind of peel it back and look at life because you only play football right some guys yeah they play to 
40, depending on position. Because <laughs> they're a place kicker. Exactly. Or a, a long <laughs> <laughs> but usually you're going to play yeah. to about 32, 33. And that's a great S- career. Statistically, there's so yeah, few usually people you're done, who, who play in the NFL that, that even play five years. Exactly. So it's so like usually few. you're done about 25, 26. Yeah. So it's like 25, 26, bro, you're really young. What relationships did you build in college? What people did you meet? What What's degree next? did you get? Yep. All these different things matter way more than, oh, only looking at the NFL. Mm-hmm. But when you have people around you and you go to a school that teaches you that and makes you understand that, it just helps you as a person. And that's like the biggest advice I always try to give to guys. It's like, yo, yeah, Alabama's cool. I wish I could go to Alabama, <laughs> right? But uh, yeah, if this you're is cool. See the field, I mean, this is cool. Who's ahead it's of like, me, right? hey, bro, where do you see yourself being the best version of you? And that's the best thing that can happen to you. And you know, if wherever you go, they're gonna find you. If you're a baller, they're gonna find you, mm-hmm. right? Like, I think I don't know how many guys at Utah had came out of being drafted at running back, but it's like. Not very many. Not very many. But it's like compared to a different school. But it's like you can go anywhere. Like I've seen – I've played with a guy who went to Wyoming and Josh Allen. Yeah. <laughs> like my bro went from no scholarships to JUCO to Wyoming to about to be MVP of the, of the league. Yeah. You can go anywhere. And if you do what you need to do, right, on and off the field, things will work out in your favor. Speaking of like going – like you said, I played Alabama – First of all, you could have played at Alabama, but also once you performed in today's where it's easy to transfer with the portal and the new changes, yeah. Um, you, you, I'm, I'm guessing it would have, would not have been very hard for your senior year to go play at <laughs> Alabama and make a transfer. I'm not, and this isn't yeah. would you do that? Are you glad you didn't? I'm saying, do you think that's going to like have a major impact on college football? You know, over the next, uh, uh, I think it will. Decade. I think, I mean, it's a good and a bad thing. The right? NIL stuff. Yeah. yeah, the NIL stuff, then the transfer portal, you don't have to sit out at all. Mm-hmm. It's a good and a bad thing because it used to handicap guys to where it was hard for them to want to leave because they know they have to sit out the entire year. And mentally, that's very, very tough when that's all you know, mm-hmm. right? So I understand that. But then it's also the point where it also enables a weaker mentality to some guys because, oh, something got hard this week or – my coach is talking to me this way or I'm not, I didn't get the numbers I thought I was going to get, right? Then they want to leave, right? So it's like from that standpoint, it's like always two sides to everything. Um, and it's the best way to look at everything is to look at both sides and try to understand a guy who might actually benefit from this versus a guy who just wants the easy way out, yeah. right? Um because if you go to a school like Alabama, they got five four-star guys coming in every single week, mm-hmm. right? You may start it last year. It's not guaranteed you're going to start next year. And the guy can still get that and be like, okay, I'm out of here. I'm going to go to a, a smaller school, right? And things of that nature. But it's like, I think it's a good and a bad thing just with the NIL. I think it's a really more of a good thing for the NIL because now, because like I said, everyone doesn't make it to the league. Right, but this now gives guys opportunities for connections. Yeah, you get to monetize things, but the biggest thing I always say, yeah, money's cool, but relationships are better, right? I agree. But it would also be nice if someone paying to your mom to come to your game. Yeah. That would be that right? would have been great as well. Right. Like the money side of it is great, but being able to right now, now this age twenty five, 
super young still. Yeah, but you are. <laughs> still being young, but, you know, now guys have opportunities to meet different people, right, in college and, and they're wherever they're playing at versus for me now it's, I'm going, I feel like I'm going backwards trying to get to, you know, meet different people and diversify my life and do different things and find different uh, avenues that I like and I'm interested in versus yeah. – guys get to do that now, which is really, really good because this may be the best time of their lives versus someone playing the league for four or five years, right? It's a lot of guys that don't do that. So it's like they get a good chance to do that now and that gets a chance to diversify their themselves and then whatever family they're going to create in the future. So when you're at University of Utah, I think your junior year, you, you had a knee injury. Mm. And I mean, one of the main things when we're talking about entrepreneurship and people who start their own businesses is how well do you bounce back and handle adversity? Yeah. It's just a mental toughness component. And when you had that knee injury your junior year, I'm curious, what was, what, what, if you could walk me through what was going on mentally mm. and how were you able to come back so strong? Yeah. Um, I mean, so... And it's, it's so it's crazy um, thinking about it. And, you know, I never really reflect on it because it's like in life, like I feel like we're always just kind of going and mm. moving on. Um, well, but you don't have to talk about it. You don't want. No, no. But I love when people ask me the question because it gives me a chance to kind of reflect and see where I've come from and mm. where I still need to go and where I want to go and, you know, where I can continue to build and stuff. But, um, yeah, so junior year, um, I tore my meniscus in my right knee. Um, but I, the crazy part is I kind of did it. In January is when I did it, um, but I didn't know that it was torn. So I did it in January, kind of just messing around in the indoor field. Um, but I played on it all the way. I didn't have surgery on it until November, <laughs> so almost a whole year. I was playing on the torn meniscus, right? I played, ran for over a thousand yards. Uh, never had any problem with it, as in a standpoint of like running and feeling like I felt that I always tell people that 2018 was my personal favorite year. Like, mm. yeah, 19, you know, broke records and yep. yada, yada, yada. Um, but I only, I had five more games in 18 before, before I got, I was done, which I thought I would have broken those records then. Mm -hmm. um, but so 19 was like, kind of just like cleaning up the rest of 18. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. Versus 18, I was like peak shape peak this peak that like I understood the game I was like like I was having a blast I was just like having so much fun with everything on and off the field and um when that happened you know I was already thinking all right we got five more games right Tyler had just got hurt mm -hmm. uh collarbone versus Arizona State I remember um and we were still making the push to go to our first Pac-12 championship game and I was like okay well this is the best time not for him, but for me, <laughs> in the standpoint of they're going to lean on me even more. Of course. Right. I had, also, I had a uh, I had a chip in my elbow. So I was literally about to come out there because the next game was Oregon. So <laughs> they were, we were going to play Oregon at home uh, after the Arizona State game, a must-win game. And that's actually the first game my mom was going to come to. Mm. So she literally flew in uh, on a Friday, and I got hurt on a Thursday. Yeah. Yeah, so that was going to be her first game, and I was just like, for me mentally, I was like, 
I'm about to go get 300 yards because the first time my mom ever seen me play in college. I was like, I'm about to go get 300 yards. I know yep. they're going to give me the ball probably 30 times. Like, I was going to have the Gronkowski little armband on. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I'm ready to roll. And then that night. I can feel it from you now. Yeah, like I was <laughs> yeah. looking back at that game yep. and not finishing off 18. It still, like, pains me. But I remember uh, that night when it happened. um, you know, and it had happened two or three times previously before where I just kind of got into bed um, and then my knee kind of locked up at a 90 degree angle where it wouldn't move. So that meniscus got in that joint. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the first two times it happened, I was able to just put my hand here and then just kind of like whoop, kick it out. And I was like, all right, Zach, don't do that again. <laughs> because and, and I had MRIs on it before, but it never showed up on the MRI um, and it never swelled up. It was like, I was like, I don't think knee is supposed to do that. But I was like, I don't know, because it's like I'm still being able to play the game the same way I want to. When it got in there, though, when, when it was locked up, pretty painful? No. It wasn't painful <laughs> That's the weird thing. It wasn't okay. painful. It was just like. Just didn't work. Until you just didn't out. work until I was like, boom, mm-hmm. and I was good. And so that night when it actually happened, you know, I was playing video games, and then um, it got kind of late, so I was kind of tired and then I did it again and I did it and I was like okay I just shrugged myself I was like all right well this is happened before and we just kick it out again first 30 minutes went by <laughs> it didn't kick <laughs> hour now I'm sitting here on the edge of my bed three in the morning like panicking like yo just day before the Oregon game yeah and I'm like yo why isn't this coming back out like it's three in the morning to where I had to um, my my girlfriend, but my wife now, um, she was there with me and she was like, all right, I think you need to take you to the hospital. So I literally, she drove me to the hospital and then, then all of it kind of transpired after that. And you know, they told then me it showed up at MRI. Then it showed up in MRI. I was like, <laughs> yeah, okay, nice. Yeah. So yeah. it went from being a little tear, right. To overly playing on it. And you know, it, it didn't even happen in the game where it got locked. And I just like, boop, kicked it out real quick in the game versus Stanford. Hmm. Um, to where now it became a whole entire bucket tear. And it was a pretty good tear. That was draining for me just because I had never went through an injury where um, it took me off of a football field in season, right? I had broken my arm before, but that was in spring, so it didn't really matter. I was came right back and was fine. But doing the knee, that was like, those were the darkest moments of my life because I was kind of going through it all. Um, and all these different emotions that I had never <laughs> felt before in my life. And I was like, oh, man, do I, am I still going to go to the league? Like, is that going to hamper it? Are they going to, like, draft me lower now? Like, is am I going to be able to be the same player? Um, you know, all these different things. And I'm feeling like this is the height of my ability right now in college, at least. Then I get this injury. I'm like, if that's my peak, now coming off of this and the way I play the game, like all my power is low and then it's a mental hurdle you have to get over that when you get back right to getting hit there and all this different stuff and I was like I don't know what that's going to look like um so it would be days where I would just be home and just be there by myself like I would just be there by myself just where I remember I went on like all my social media went black like I started profile picture was black like that's where my mind you got doubt creeping in you have fear creeping yeah, in. You have just uncertainty creeping in but that's, these, that's your whole life what you've been doing and planning for it's just, that's what i'm talking about the mental toughness yes. is like there you are you're sitting there 
It's like a big roadblock, and it's just you. You have to go. I mean, it's just you. Yeah, and it's like no one else can get you through that besides yourself. Like, yeah, mm-hmm. you can have, you know, talk to therapists. You can talk to these people and have family members and all the support in the world. It doesn't really do much for you if you're not willing to pick it up and go through that roadblock. So what'd um, you do? So I had to pick it up. And for me, thankfully, it was like, you know, and I believe God does everything for a reason and everything in ha- life happens for a reason. Like looking back at that, that was a, the biggest uh, blessing in disguise for me. Right. Cause at the time I had just kind of met my wife. Um, we had been dating for like a month or two almost. And obviously I'm getting ready to go to the league. So I'm like, how is that going to work? Cause I'm not a, I can't do long distance. Like, you know, that's going to be difficult. And that was my first ever relationship, like actually having a girlfriend. So I wanted to make it work. And, you know, that gave me a chance to come back for another year, right? To kind of see that relationship through to where now we've been together going on five years, kid, married, all that type of stuff. Um, By the way, congrats on your son. Yeah. Born (laughs) June 11th, did you say? Yes, sir. Congratulations. Um, But like looking back at it, I'm like, if I leave, if I was healthy and I just left and didn't really don't know how that relationship would have looked like, what mm. it would have looked like, and what we would be at now. So for one, that, um, and then it just gave me time because I had the surgery in November. I didn't have to make a decision until January. So I had time to really start getting back on my feet a little bit and kind of realizing, and, you know, I talked to uh, my wife and then I talked to my mom. Uh, those are the two people I talked to the most um, about the decision, right? And... I was like, do I leave now or do I come back? And it was always just pros and cons, right? The pros were you leave now, you'll still be a top four back, right? If you, the cons were you leave next year, you're in a deeper running back class, which I was in a deeper running back class. Um, I mean, it was probably like eight or nine of us taking in the first three rounds versus. That's really deep. Yeah. That's the, really deep. I mean, you're talking about Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift's, you know, oh, all these, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. we're, I'm in a class with some dudes versus 19, if I would have came out, which was still a really good class of dudes. Uh, Singletary, who I played with in Buffalo, mm-hmm. David Montgomery, Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs was the best back, uh, number one rated back in that draft. Um, and then we have a similar play style. So, you know, it was pros and cons of that. Speaking of Alabama. Yeah, speaking of Alabama. Yeah. Then pros and cons of our relationship. Uh, pros and cons of do I want to come back for the record? You know, and my thing was I wanted to be remembered, right? That was like, I remember when I got here, got into uh, school, enrolled, and all that sort of stuff. I remember literally going on Google and like looking up Eddie Johnson. Like, who, and then at the time I didn't know his name, but it was like Utah all time, Utah all time Russian leader. Like, who was it and what was the number I had to get to? And I was like, okay, I can do that. Right. And I think you did it game seven. <laughs> but I was like, I think I can do that. And then I started and I didn't all the other records that I was able to be blessed enough to kind of hold now. Four thousand yards. Yeah. I didn't even think about any of those. Like those yeah. weren't anything else. It always thirty eight touchdowns. Am I, am I right? <laughs> yeah. yeah was some good records. Though. Yeah. Like all the other ones. I was like, I don't know anything about those. I just knew I wanted to be all time because all time means. All time. Like, people are going to remember you for a long time. <laughs> so That's the beginning of the conversation. We're talking about LeBron and, yeah, so that was and the, MJ. That was the one I wanted. And then, you know, everything else came with that. And, you know, so 
obviously I ended up coming back and, you know, that was the year where I matured so much, like through every single facet of my life, um, to what's catapulting me to where I'm at now. Like I got deeper in my faith, right? I got deep, I got deeper in my relationship with my wife. Um, I got so much better at football and so much better with people around me and building that relationship and, uh, you know, just really enjoying every moment more than I ever did. Because at first I just thought, okay, this is what I'm doing. Like, yeah, this is probably not going to end. And then, you know, things get cut off and you have to take a, a seat and kind of look back at, okay, maybe you did something wrong or where you went wrong or where, then it's, it also gives you a chance to kind of just build and yeah. build and build and get better. But mentally that situation just made me so much better. Yep. Um, like, I can't even really put into words, like thinking back at it and just kind of like literally just having visions in my head right now. Just like when you say that situation, you're talking about overcoming the knee injury or you're talking about coming back and playing just the fact that you over, played your senior year, overcoming the knee injury. Yeah. Coming back a senior year. Because how do you get more confidence you would have otherwise going to the league? If it, if you went straight from the league after the knee, a quite a question, what would have been going on in your head as you yeah, were in training? Camp? That would have been way more challenging, I think. And I think coming back was just a more safer uh, option. My knee works. Yeah, like okay, let's see if the knee works. Like, right. But in the league, I feel like wherever I would have got drafted, coming off this knee injury, and it wasn't a catastrophic knee injury. It wasn't ACL, and you know all these different it was things. Meniscus. It was meniscus, so it's shorter recovery. Usually, doesn't really bother guys too much. Um, you know, I would have been probably forced to get on the field a little faster than I would have probably liked, or. And I just don't know how the expectations and the. I think you would have been drafted higher if you came out after. You yeah, I think I would have been second round. So maybe your 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 money up front would have been a little bit more. Money in front would have been a little bit better, but. But the other day you still got you still got to do what you got to do on yeah, the field, or else. But overall, I just yeah. feel like everything played out the way it should have. Mm-hmm. Like who knows what team I would have went to and yeah. how that would have went, right? Versus coming back another year, being healthy, and then still refine redefining my game, like getting better. Like I got better as a blocker. Oh, right. Okay. That was something that, you know, my coach, uh, Coach McDonald harped on was like, yo, bro, you know, everybody's usually a pretty good runner in the league. Right. What is going to separate you from guys who, you know, the Melvin Gordons of the world. Right. Like, yeah, I have four thousand yards in college. This dude had like five thousand, six thousand. Right. All these different dudes who've done numbers similar or, you know, even better. What's going to separate you? So one thing for me was I wanted to really get good at blocking. Right, and I knew, understood they keep guys in the league who can block yep. a yep. lot longer than they keep guys in the league who can just run the ball, unless you're like Adrian Peterson, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And so that was the biggest thing for me, and I got better at that. And you know, Did playing th- linebacker help you with that a little bit. I think from so. The skills with that, I, yeah, I think so. Just from understanding, uh, kind of like what linebackers are supposed to do in yeah. the defense, right? Like understanding that and, and kind of having it. a similar body type and understanding leverage. Mm-hmm. So I got a understood it a little bit more naturally but then it was also just a standpoint of now all right let's be consistent at this and like actually you know want to do it like it's a difference between being able to do it and then wanting to do it like <laughs> that was the thing that i had to combine and that year it gave me a really good uh chance to do that because we threw the ball and we was in a different offense i had three different offensive coordinators in four years um so i went through three different offices but that my last year that gave me a little bit more chance of blocking which you know, when I got to the league, it was just like super easy. Like, huh? 
to block and to understand what was going on to where and when I got drafted to Buffalo, you know, what kept me on the field, especially playing behind with a guy like Josh Allen, you know, that guy needs to be healthy <laughs> and clean. And I was the best block we had. So as a rookie, that got me on the field instantly to where like I think so I got they could see that in camp immediately. They could tell yeah. that you had blocks blocks. Yeah, skills. but it was like the the urgency of wanting to do it, right? And, mm-hmm. and getting better every single time. Like we had guys like a block, but it was like consistently, consistently and understanding and diagnosing what the block the blisses, bliss patterns, like what they look Making like. Making the right and, decisions. Yeah. So being where you need to be. Mm-hmm. You can't block someone if, if you're in the if, wrong yeah, place. Yeah, you're in the wrong place. Like don't look over here. Then dude come from over here. Like, no, just go where you need to go now. Right. They they hate wasted movements and that's you know, a lot of successful people hate wasted movements. Like mm-hmm. you don't want to waste time, right? Because time is precious. But that whole entire year coming off that knee injury was definitely a blessing in disguise, just from a whole standpoint of where I'm at. What's your your best memory, on the field memory for, at the University of Utah? Hmm, that's a good question. People would guess I would say the moment I broke the record, but that was like a flash yeah. <laughs> to me because I don't even really remember. I remember the the. You know, going to dinner with my mom and my girlfriend and my brother after mm-hmm. more than I remember everything that was going on. It was like because it was a tight game. It was raining. It was cold. I was like more miserable than anything. <laughs> okay, but, so so that's up there, but maybe not number but, one. Uh, I think for me, my favorite moment was uh, twenty seventeen um, versus USC. My I want to say it was my first hundred yard game I ever had. Yeah. Uh, that had to felt good. Yeah, it felt really good because freshman year, you know, that was like up and down. Joe came back. So I was kind of like, oh, God. And then he went on what he did. I was like, oh, brother, that's crazy. Yeah. But that's a whole different story as well, like just learning from him and yep. seeing what he did. That helped me so much. But then I think 17, because um, I had so many challenges I had to overcome going into 17, broke my arm in, in the spring mm-hmm. overcoming that. Then being cleared two days before fall camp yeah. from a broken arm, yep. which I'm like, uh, is it strong enough? <laughs> like, is it, like, I don't know if this is going to work. It's the first time I ever had surgery. I'm like, I'm kind of scared. Like, got a block. This is my running, my uh, dominant hand, all these different things. I'm well, like, you Ooh. can feel, I mean, when you go through that, you can feel that it's not yeah, right. you, Yeah. All the muscles atrophy. It's, it, it, it's you're like, so this, different. It's like a stick. Yeah. So I was like, okay. And then ended up winning the started job in 17. Um, but I had like the first, I don't know what in game five, we played SC, something like that. But the first four games, bro, I was terrible. Like, I just didn't understand what I was doing. Like, I didn't understand who I was as a running back. And that was, like I said, like that was going to be, that was 17 was my third year playing running back. So mm-hmm. I was like, kind of fit, got a new running back coach, mm-hmm. got a new offensive coordinator, right? New O-line technically, all these guys are younger. I'm like, okay, do I like run hard? <laughs> like yeah. do I just run yeah. or do the, I be more patient by or, waiting for the hole to see it yeah like yeah. what am I trying to do it's like a rhythm of the thing yeah right? and I was like and I remember literally just going like we played Stanford early in that year and I had like 60 something yards 70 something yards by Bryce Young uh, not Bryce Young uh, uh, Bryce Love from oh, right. Stanford okay yeah yeah he had like 100 something yards on us in, in our stadium and I'm just like okay that dude's kind of where I want to get to right um, and then we, you know, we played uh, San Jose State, and I was like, okay, I gotta have 100 yards against them, <laughs> and it didn't happen. Um, and I was just like struggling 
trying to figure out who I was. And me and my coach would just watch film and watch film and watch film. And just like, he was like, yo, just, just trust yourself. Like, just be you. Like, just play. Like, don't think. Because at that time, I was just thinking way too much because I was like, I was pressed. I was trying to make it work yeah. too much versus just doing what I know what I can do. So then we played SC. And I think playing SC, I think all that was just the right accumulation of playing SC. It was just everything. It was like, all right, <laughs> first time at the Coliseum. Right, then you walk out the tunnel, you see all the people who are all Americans and Heisman's, and you're like, Reggie Bush play on this field. You're like, this dude play on this field. Lindell White play on this field. Like, you're like, okay, a lot of legends played here. Marcus, Marcus Allen. Allen, yeah, <laughs> a lot of legends. I'm like, my, my high, one of my best friend in high school played there too. Was all really? American, Johnny Morton. Okay, I'm like receiver. I'm like, I need to kind of tune into a little bit of that legendary stuff that's on this field, and kind of, you know, my first time ever playing here. Um, I think we lost that game. I, yeah, we lost that game. But that you, was the first. You had 100 yards. I had 20 carries for 150. And I was like, and it was like, you know, I ran over a few dudes, had a nice couple long runs, some nice catches, some nice broken tackles. Um, didn't score, but that game gave me all the confidence in the world mm. to be like, all yeah. right, do that. Yeah, because I'm going against USC, who's a really good defense. Like a lot yeah. of these guys played in the league. Oh yeah, I'm like, just do that. Then the next week, do that again. Then do it again until where we played Colorado in the end of the year. Um, I had like almost I had I think like 190 something yards versus Colorado. Ran over a few more dudes, and then we played West Virginia in the Zaxby's Bowl. Had another 150. So going into my junior year, I'm like, all right, we went over a thousand yards in. In 17, which I thought was a bad year, right? For my first few games was terrible. I'm averaging like 60 something yards, and I still went over a thousand. Like, thousand yards is not yeah. that hard to get. So I'm like, maybe let's, you know, yeah. start the year off good next year. <laughs> yeah, but that, it's interesting to hear you talk about it though, because to hear you say that like this one game at USC, even though you, your team didn't win that game, but it unlocked something for you mentally, yeah. psychologically, confidence wise that you built upon. Like that's the time you go, oh, I got this. Yeah, and that was the game where I was like, okay. We yeah. know yeah. how to do this a little yeah. bit more now uh, um, on this level. Yeah. And you can do it. It's like so that, no that, more questioning yourself. That takes me to a couple more questions. Number one of them is, is like, so what was the answer to your question? Is like, so do I go hard? Do I patient? <laughs> or have you found that that depends on the play? Or what? So, so I'm a young running back. What's your answer to me? So I'm obviously not a young running back. The, but if I, I was. <laughs> the accumulation of all that was, right, for a good running back, you have to have patience. Okay. Right? If you just run, it's not going to work. Right? So you have to have a good combination of burst, uh, vision, and impatience. Those three things, what makes running backs good. Because mm. usually a good running back averages five yards a carry. Right? Now, the great ones are going to the ones that's going to take it the distance and get to that second level and, you know, do all those different things. But to be a good back you need to get through the first line of scrimmage, mm -hmm. right? So that's what why, helped me. That's why we don't like those good interior <laughs> defensive linemen. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but for me, it was a lot of it was also the, the film study that I mentioned, just yeah. watching with my coach, right, uh -huh. to where it was like, all right, yeah, I'm watching film with my coach. Yep. Okay, that's cool. But I'm feeling like I'm obligated to do that versus yeah. let me go and watch film uh -huh. by myself. So it was times where you could find me in, in, in the run back room just watching film. So, some in relation to this question, mm. 
some of the reason you're watching the film to go back and look and say, okay, should I have been more patient here? Did watching I like, myself? And what what watching, did I miss vision wise? When should the burst have happened? Yeah, is, understanding is the play. So understanding okay. the play. Like if we run an inside zone, okay, where are my double teams? Usually an inside zone run is going to hit down hash. Okay. You're very rarely, yeah, most times you're going to either hit hash or you're going to get backside. All right. It's so rare to get front door on that. And a lot of times I was trying to go front door or I was trying to go back door when I could have just went down the hash. And the power of the play is between the two uh, double teams. Mm -hmm. So you got over 600 pounds on one side and this side. Probably run through that one. Yeah, that's, that's probably the better, <laughs> right? the better so, decision. And then just use your gifts, right? Like I always could break tackles. So, you know, if I get a head full of steam and my shoulders are square and I'm low, you'll be fine, right? You're going to you'll fall forward. And that's another good thing about a back. Like if uh, you know you have a, a good back when the guy can fall forward, right? Um, versus yeah. getting, going this way all the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. That's one of your strengths too. Yeah, but it was that. It was just understanding and then understanding my guys in front of me. Like how long are they going to take to probably get to this linebacker, right? Because they have the double team on this on this three tech. Didn't have to come off to the back on the front side, right? And then placing the linebackers because it's my job to get the linebackers blocked. The D linemen are already going to get blocked. My job is to put the linebackers in a position to where my O-line can get to them. Because they're not the most shiftiest dudes in the world, <laughs> right? If you just come running if out you of just there, run, you're going to beat you're them gonna there. You're going to get tackled. Boom. You're going to be blocking the linebacker Versus for them. Put it, putting them to where it's like that's where the patience is, mm -hmm. right? Patient enough to put them, right? And as soon as you put them, the burst, that hit, like just get through that line, right? Yeah. So the, all of that was like something I was learning. And then when we played USC, I understood it a little bit better to where I was able to kind of do it and I was just playing. And then – from that game on to my last game, that was just accumulation of getting better, getting better, getting better, understanding the play, understanding my guys, understanding what the defense is trying to do, understanding what the three tech is trying to do, what's yep. his gap uh, responsibility, what the linebacker's gap responsibility, where the safety is. Like all these little different things that go into a five-yard run. <laughs> yeah, and then I guess after you do it after a while, just you start to yeah, feel after it. While, there's there's like, like a chemistry and like a rhythm. Yeah, it's like you, you get it after you, a while. You get it. But – you know, just and then practicing it over and over and then understanding practice. Like, all right, well, if I practice hard, they usually can make the game a little bit easier. At you, you know, found that that be the case. Yeah, my first yeah two three years, I was like, ah, I don't like practice, bro. I can just kind of do this. But I understood, I understood that you know, it was some parts in practice where I would take it a lot more seriously because yeah. I understood that that was going to translate to the game, um, a ton. And you know, those were all the things like. Once guys get that, right, the film study part, because it can't be boring. It's like, yeah, yeah, I can go be playing the video game. I can go be doing this. But once you're immersed in something, right, and this is something you want to do, right, and you are wholeheartedly about it, you need to, you know, immerse yourself into it all the way, right, to where you don't have regrets about it, to where you're like, like, I don't have a regret looking back at college. Like, Do it right or don't do it. Exactly. Like, I don't look at it and be like, okay, I wish I would have yeah. did this a little bit better or did that. I'm like, no, no, I did what I needed to do, and I got what I got. Like, and I'm grateful for what I got, and I'm not. I don't ask for any more from that. What What was the What's the difference? The biggest difference between being a running back in the NFL versus being a running back in college? Uh, the biggest difference is, I think, the talent level is so much better. Like, it's so much better. Like, was that shocking to you? It wasn't shocking. It was more of just like no, this is real. Like, cause you always hear guys say that. Yeah. But you just never know if it's like 
Is it you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's everybody. Yeah. <laughs> like, gaps close so much faster. Yeah. Right? And then I can go against a dude who's 350. Like, I remember we played Linville Joseph. Uh, used to play a long time. The, the uh, tackle played for uh, the Vikings. was, like, his best years. And then he played for the Chargers. And I remember 2020, we played him in Buffalo. And this dude fell on me. And, like, literally, just he just fell on me. He didn't tackle me, really. He just fell on me and knocked all the wind out of me. Just like, and I was like, but he can move so gracefully. Like, you talking about dudes like Dominic Sue, like at that size. Because in college, you don't play guys like that every week. Yeah. Right? And it's just like high school. Like, I always tell people, high school, you probably play with guys or go against guys in high school that probably about two or three of you guys might go Division one, Right? And that's why you, get, you see the numbers you do in high school. Then you get to college. Right? Yeah, everybody's D1. But only about five or six of you would go to the NFL on defense, right? Then you get to the NFL. At a good no, school. No, no, no. At a really good at college. A, yeah. Gonna be, there's only going to be a couple, right? Yeah. At a, good, at a good college. And then you get to the NFL. No. Everybody. These are the five, six. Yeah. But these guys are even better than those five, six. We're talking about guys who are all state. Like, I'm talking to dudes that are D-linemen or linebackers or corners. These dudes were All-American at quarterback, receiver, running back. Like, you're just like that's the thing I've noticed is like that 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 I don't think even I can fully understand. But like offensive linemen, for example, <laughs> who just known as the biggest, they they beef them up to three hundred twenty yeah. thirty pounds. But those, but they can dance. Mm-hmm. I mean, like just the foot, the the footwork, the agility, the back and forth. So Mike, just because you're big and you're six six three hundred pounds, that does not even qualify you to to play in the NFL. Deion Dawkins, left tackle for Buffalo, I played with for three years. Probably the most athletic dude I've seen in person from at from a office alignment standpoint, right? People always talk about Trent Williams from San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. But seeing Dion and seeing the size of this dude and like when you see an office alignment at that size pull, like even Quentin Nelson, now that I've gotten a chance to play with Quentin Nelson, like seeing a dude like that pull with the speed that he can run yeah, with. That's not right. You're just like, bro, that is crazy. Right, and they're athletic, and they can do these things, right? And that's the difference between college and uh, NFL. Sometimes in college, I can tell you how many times we ran a play where we had to pull a guard, like because our guy just wasn't that athletic. Yeah. In the league, we're going to run that play because this guy can do this, and he's going to do it at a super high level. Yeah. Right, and like I said, like the biggest thing is everyone there in the league is there for their families. The name on the back of their jersey, right? For also for the name on the front, but it's it's all of those like things that. combined yeah, yeah. plus the super talent and athletic ability these guys have. Versus in college, you know, some guys just play because they want to play ball. You know, they don't really have they don't have aspirations to go to the league. You know, and they could be really good. Like I've seen guys that I played with at Utah, really good, like All American. Then only play one year in the league because they didn't really care. But I'm like, that's crazy because you're that good. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like you you go against guys like that sometimes and then you go against guys who aspirations are you know this I want to be there and then you know their stories right that drive them and their wise and all that type yeah, of so, stuff. Yeah so so let's talk about a little bit. What what advice would you give either to a, a great high school athlete or just a high school athlete who has who has aspirations to play in the league or a college athlete that has aspirations to play in the league? What's the what is the difference between the ones who make it and don't if they have the same physical skills? The one so a lot of that is sometimes out of your control because it was a lot of times where I never was the greatest athlete. I mm-hmm. never was the fastest. I never was the strongest, right? And 
you know, I think your mentality. Yeah. That's the biggest thing. Like, like so how about yours? Like, what do you do? What do we, for me, is like my why is so strong, right? Like, you have to have a why. What is it? My like my family. So, and it's changed now, obviously. Um, but growing up, coming from inner city Miami, mm-hmm. you know, moving five, six different times, living in the hotels, um, watching my mom go through the divorce and raising five kids by herself, um, you know, I was like that's not what I want for my mom to continue to go through. And that's not what I want for my life as well. Right. Like my mom literally used to live in a house where dudes were selling drugs. Like mm-hmm. I can just go home. And this is when I was in college. I can just yep. go home and I would sleep on the couch. Right. I didn't have a room. I didn't have a bed. Right. It was a two bedroom. Like everything was just, it was different. So I was like, that made you hungry. Made me super hungry. That was mm-hmm. my why. Like my why you didn't was, want that anymore. I got to get my mom out of that. That's not right for, but then my sister had kids and, they lived there as well. I'm like, that's not the uh, the environment I want them to think is okay. Because a lot of people from where I'm from thinks that's okay. Where, okay, we just grow up and we see this and we, we glorify it and you hear it in the rap songs. And, and a lot of people think that it's just normal. And in African-American community, sometimes that is normal, right? And that's a lot of what people just refer to. And they don't try to push the limits, right, and see what they can do. But, but you didn't want that. I didn't want that. So my why was the strongest thing. And then, you know, once I was able to accomplish that, you know, obviously I bought my mom a house, whatever, and then moved her out of that situation. Um, you did, yeah. So and so my my wife my wife was that. Now it's changed to where me and my wife to now our son. Yeah. And now I'm like, my wife now is probably it's not even probably it's definitely way more stronger on a level that I don't even understand right now. Because I'm just going through it. Parenthood does that too, doesn't right? it? Right? Yeah. It's, it's like it's, a, a, sl- a switch gets flicked. It's crazy because you become like, a dad. I was like, okay, am I going to like talk like Google Gaga to him? Like, going to be playing with him? Like, ha Like, things of that nature. Because I'm like a tougher guy. Like, because, you know, where I grew up at and in the sport I play, I'm like, am I going to be able to kind of do that? Right? And then as soon as he's born, it's like, you don't even think about it. Everything just happens. Like, you just go harder like you just work even harder like if you get three hours of sleep four hours of sleep you still have the train right because people are still working and they're trying to get your spot right so you know my why is so strong now that it's like it's unbearable to where it's like i don't even think about it but to answer your question it's like mentality and your why like those two things I probably are intertwined in one but I love it to me it's like if you don't have those two things you, you're not going to go anywhere like i know people who don't have a why and first of all, having a why is important. But secondly, there's a difference between wanting something a lot and just wanting something mm. or not wanting something, not want it. And, and whether it's entrepreneurship or whether it's it's to do anything at an elite level. Yeah. That Like sometimes when people come ask me and say, hey, what made you get motivated to do this? And I'll talk about something in my life that I was situation. I go, yeah. yeah, this, I didn't want that anymore. Yeah. And then, that's know, usually, sometimes they'll say back to me, I don't want that either. I'm like, but I think I didn't want it more than you. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, yeah. you know what I mean? So like, like there's a difference in like hunger level of like how bad you actually want something that actually then it gets where that gets transferred to actually action, making, keeping commitments, doing movement mm. where you start making habits and doing things yeah. on the regular. And that's how like you actually manifest to me how bad you want something or how bad you don't want something. Exactly. And a lot of people get up into that hardship, whether it's entrepreneurship or get in the league and they're just not willing to pay the price. Yeah. You have to pay the price. You have to do the work. I mean, most of the talent, most talented athletes in the world 
want your job mm-hmm. and they're coming for it. Like, and that's, that, that's never going to end. Right. They're, they're going to just, it's so like, if you're not at the, if you can't defend that. Yeah. I, I can't remember the quote directly from Kevin Durant, but okay. it's, uh, hard work beats talent when talent fails to work hard. Right. <laughs> you can be super talented. Right. But if you don't have any work ethic, yeah. any drive, any mentality to, and that's why I love Kobe Bryant. Just, you know, Black Mamba, that mentality, yep, yep. all that type of stuff. It's legendary. Right? And he had the talent, right? But could he jump as a LeBron? Could he do things to that similar aspect? Probably not. But his work ethic was so strong, right? Like, and everyone loves Kobe, but they don't really understand the work ethic this guy was going through every single day. It's like, I take maybe two weeks off. Like, I don't vacation right now because I'm not where I want to be. Right. Like I Love still it. want like I see guys, you know, go on vacation and, it's, and everyone's different. Right. You don't. it's not one blueprint on how to be successful and how to get something out of life or whatever it may be. But for me, you know, like I'm always in a work mentality. Like I'm always trying to get better, find ways gym, to get better. You're exercising, you watch. Yeah. Like film, even when I don't doing? want to, like even when I want to, like yeah. waking up this morning, I woke up about 7 a.m. Right. Did whatever I need to do. Got in the sauna, got in the coat tub this morning. I don't want to get in the coat tub. <laughs> Right, especially if your body's not hurting, but it's so cold. I'm like, I don't want to do that, but I have to. It's healthy. Then I come here, and then I have to go train right after. I can be like, I think today was successful. I can just go home and lay down, play the game, right? But then someone somewhere else in the world is like, no, we they worked super hard, right? And it could be one of my own teammates. Those, you know, we're all good friends and buddies and stuff like that. But when you're on that field, you don't have friends. That's one lessons I learned. Like when you're on that field and you're competing with grown men to support their families. Right, that was one of the first things I learned in the league when I uh, from Lee Smith, a big great vet uh, that I had in Buffalo. All that other stuff doesn't matter. When you're on that field, you're fighting against grown men. Like, and you're, I was time 22 when I got in. I'm like, what are you talking about? I just turned 22, <laughs> and this dude's 32. Yeah. He's like, grown men with families. Yeah. You're taking money out of their pocket, right? Like, I'm 22. A dude drafted me in the third round. Right, right, and I got a dude in my room who's a vet who's 29. He's fighting for my spot, and I understand from the standpoint of being in the business, when they invest more money in you, they're gonna push you for first. I can't let that dude take my job, that's even to this tr- day. That's I just can't. the truth, though. And that's just the I, truth. It's just the way it is. It's see it any other way. Yeah, like I'm in a contract year. Mm-hmm. Understanding right now, you are. Yeah, going to my fourth year, so this is my last year on my rookie deal. Mm. So it's like, this is my contract year. They just drafted a running back in the fifth round. So what does that tell you? This doesn't mean anything personally against you. This is the business. The business is Jonathan Taylor's in the contract year. I'm in the contract year. They just drafted a dude in the fifth round. The league, people like to do things for cheap sometimes, right? Of course. <laughs> you know, you yeah, just yeah, want yeah. to pay the top dollar all the time, right? So they're trying to drive your replacement. Are you going to allow that, right? Yeah, what are you going to do about it? What's the work that you're going to put in? Every single day. And your job is to make it too expensive not to pay you the money and then mm-hmm. I have you there. So say, like, look what the cost is to you to not do that. It's yeah. just too expensive not to have me. Exactly. When you're going against, like you said, grown men. Grown men. Who Every are, single day. Yeah. Every single day. It's like, and these, <laughs> it's, it's, it's so fun though, right? It's sometimes you just, you don't even. Maybe just, that's one of the differences between you and some of the people that don't make it. Is you get in that intensive a situation and your description of it is fun instead yeah. of intimidating or. Or rough, you enjoy it. Yeah, you got to. Like, I think that's, like, if once you lose the joy of whatever you're doing, like, it, it becomes a job to where you're just like, 
right? And for us, we're we're super lucky, like being athletes and being able to go play a sport <laughs> mm-hmm. for a living. Like we get, we're super lucky to where we don't have to, you know. And it, it's about being grateful at the same time. It's like I love so that. many people in the world go through way more. Like mm-hmm. I can be like, oh, I'm tired, and sometimes you know I have to remind myself, I'm like, bro, you just got four months off. <laughs> <laughs> Like, you just have four months off. What are we talking about? Versus someone who's working every single day, every single day, and still living check to check, right? And can't do certain things in life that maybe you can do, right? So then you stop trying to compare yourself to someone who's here. And then if you're here, and then people who are down there, like, just be grateful for where you're at Mm -hmm. and where you want to go and put the work in to where you want to go. What are some, this is probably my last question, but what are some of the goals that you have, not just for this coming year, but through your career? Uh, just my common goal always every single year is to, you know, one, be in the best shape I can be, to be consistent. Like, you know, that's the biggest thing. It's like our league is, is a performance-based league, um, and it really is. Like, if you don't perform, you're gone. Like, in college, it's different because in college, if you don't perform that year, you know, they're not going to cut you. They might coddle you a little <laughs> bit, actually. You, you don't hey, get that on. coddling in the league, do you? No, you don't get a coddling. Like, I've, I've had so many teammates in a week that is crazy. Like, I've seen guys that'll share, that'll be uh, right next to my locker for two days and then never see them again. Like, that is so normal. Like, I've had... It's not normal for most jobs. Not normal for That's most normal jobs, That's normal for right? your job. So, my job is so normal, and you kind of just get brainwashed. like, that's normal. Like, I've had guys where... Uh, in Indy, my short time in Indy, I've had three different running backs uh, come in and out, right? We've kept three main dudes, four main dudes, and then yeah. three different dudes just come. He's there for three weeks, gone. He's there for a month, gone. He's there for three days, gone. Like, I've seen it over and over and over and over and over and over to where it was at one point. It's four lockers where I sit in Buffalo at a time. It was four lockers where I sit. I'm in the middle. I've seen this guy leave. That guy go to a different team. That guy leave to where it was at a time where I had literally all four lockers to myself. Oh, geez. <laughs> I mean, now you're, I mean, four years in, you're a veteran. I yeah. mean, no, no doubt. You're, you've got to be seen that way. It's, it has to be interesting what goes on in your mind when they bring someone else in at your position and they bring two or three guys in your position. I mean, yeah, they're your teammates, but at the same time, they're trying to take the food off your table as well. Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, best it, wishes, you guys. You, I'm you're not I'm gonna do everything I can to keep you off the field. Yeah, and right? Yeah, and that's from the standpoint of my play. Right? Never yes. wanna to try to sabotage a dude or right, try of course. to Yeah, but you know, just like and you have some dudes that do that. But it's like never try to sabotage a dude to from their opportunities as well, right? And like I said, everything happens for a reason, right? Like in my time at Buffalo, you know, did three years there, then we drafted another dude, James Cook, also from Miami. Um and I never looked at it as like Oh, I don't like this dude or something like that. Like, like I didn't care. Like I was just going to go out there and give the best that I can give. And however it's shaped out, it's shaped out. Right. And it's the same way now in Indy Indiana. being a, a veteran and looked at that way now. And it's so different. Cause it's like, when you're a rookie, you're a rookie and they let you know every day. You don't have a, you don't have any voice. <laughs> so where now going to uh, being in my fourth year, the coach asks you questions. Right. And you kind of looked upon as and it's, it's a different role. Right. And, you know, thankfully for me, I kind of went through that role a little bit in college from mm-hmm. where I went from freshman to senior to where things would change. And I kind of struggled with trying to be a leader in that role and kind of understand that role and what is expected of me from that to now 
having that experience and now taking it over to the league and now being in the same similar role. And literally, I'm 25, but I'm the oldest dude in our room. Like, because Jonathan's 24, right? And then everyone else is 24, 22, 23. Like, I'm the oldest dude where in Buffalo, I was like the third youngest dude. Yeah. So it's a different role. So now I'm looked upon as like, you know, the vet of the group. Because you are. Right? Um, from age standpoint. Mm-hmm. So it's it's totally different. But it's, it's, it's like I said, like it's so fun that because it's different challenges. It just so challenges you. One of your day. goals then is to get into the best shape possible. Other ones to adapt to the roles that you have as more of a veteran. Any other goals on, on the field or off the field? Anything over the next uh yeah i think just diversion stuff you're focusing on yeah just i mean just diversing uh my life and the people i'm coming in contact with and just building relationships i think nice that's the biggest thing because you don't play ball all your life right like you have to understand that at some point you need to trans transition and a lot of times you see a lot of great players and a lot of players they wait till the end end and then when they're out of it they just like kind of have their hands in the air and they don't know what to do and what direction to go in. Mm-hmm. And for me, I never wanted to be in that position. So that's one reason I started my podcast. That Love was it. one way for me to get practice, um, be in front of a mic um, and kind of just being in that role of asking questions and talking about things and that I'm, you know, interested in or whatever. Um, so that way when I go into, you know, sports broadcasting, I at least have some type of idea of what it can look like. Obviously a podcast in the world and being, Sport market is totally different, but it's like, okay, I understand a little bit of what's going on. So it's like a chance for me to practice. Um, but I think just, dif- like I said, diversifying on and off the field yeah. um, and just winning games this year. Like, yep. I'm, I'm so used to winning, like, in every <laughs> level I've been at. Um, I love that comment. High, <laughs> high school, we was winning. College, when I got here, we started winning to where now it's a super winning program. Uh, Doesn't that least, feel good that you were part of that, though? Yeah, like when I look, put, put it where it is now, you had a big hand Yeah, when, when when I go in there, when I was there last week working out, and I go in the indoor, and I see the uh, 2021 and 2022 Pac-12 championship banners up in the indoor now, right? Yep. They've moved the the uh, the ones, the Tostitos Bowl, and <laughs> to the back. Yeah. So I'm like, finally, there we go. And it's like, you're like, you didn't win, right? But we're all brothers. Yeah. And a lot of those dudes I played with, like Cam and all those dudes, Devin, all those dudes, Covey, I, I played with all of them. So it's like a part of me is like enriched in that. Yeah. And I and I love that. And I'm happy that they were able to do it because that was the goal. It was, yeah, we would, I wish I would have won too as well. But it's like of the goal is to continue to further on every guy that comes in there to where they get the standard and they see the standard every single time and it just gets better and better yep. and better. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been super cool to see that, but winning is the biggest thing, right? Cause Buffalo, I was winning and the Indy, when I got there, we went through a lot of hardships last season, but new coaching, new, new, everything, uh, new quarterback, uh, and Anthony. So it's like, we want to win. And you know, that's the biggest thing, uh, I think on field that I want to do everything else will come with winning. I know you're going to do a lot of winning, not just this year, but in your career and in your life and. You're winning with your family. You're winning as you're prepared for your career. I'm really looking forward to going deep into the Moss Mode podcast. Mm. That I'm gonna follow. I'm gonna be a big follower of that, and I'm really glad you're doing it. I have no doubt you're going to be able to use your communications degree. You're you're just so smart and interesting to and so well spoken that I have no doubt you're gonna have a great career after football. Hopefully, that. that's not for another decade, decade and a half. 
five years probably. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So whatever it is, I hope the body holds up. Again, yeah. thank you so much Absolutely. for coming and joining uh, the podcast today. I've really had a great time chatting and learning from you. Yeah. And also congratulations with your son. Yeah, thank you, man. Appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Have a good one. Yes, sir. You too.